Good afternoon, Charlotte. Welcome back to another episode of Four Trans. And wow. Should we start over? Maybe it's 9 a.m. I don't know. We can keep going. I'm only a beer and a half deep. I can't even excuse that. Welcome to Four Transplants and a microphone. Today we are back with a total of four transplants from actually all over the country. We've got a pretty good spread today. We are talking workplace leadership down to the doers and everything in between. It's kind of interesting, the small business world. We've all been in the corporate world, and it's been interesting there, too. First, round the table, we've got some returning guests today. Starting off, myself, Jack Tompkins, with Pineapple Consulting Firm. We've got, as always, Brandon. With Superior Data Solutions. We've got a returning guest, Matt Shields. Hey, y'all. And we've got returning guest, Chuck Cooper. Good afternoon. Matt Shields with Chime House Media, Chuck Cooper with Whitewater Consulting. So, Brandon, I think you started this topic with a pretty good example and let's start there, and we'll queue it up from there. Okay, so my quandary that I've always seen is... Quandary? There is a, That's a $5 word right there. There's a, a top-level management, and then there's kind of that middle management, and then the people, the, you know, people that are doing it every day. Right. And there's always a huge disconnect between what comes from that top-level management to what actually hits the people doing the work. And yeah. it's crazy to me that they dictate these things and don't give anyone the tools to accomplish what needs to happen. Hey, go do this, figure it out. And if you figure it out wrong, you're wrong. Well, and it's somehow their fault that right. it's right. failed yeah. because it's not, <laughs> it's not, you know, you're not given the right tools. Like, you know, I gave an example of a company I work for, you know, you needed a minimum of three people to work in this particular department and then they give you all these weird programs that take even more people. And I don't even have enough people to staff the three that it takes to do the work that needs to get done. And it's like, how am I supposed to add all this on top of everything that's given to you? Yeah. It's like, you can keep adding stuff on. It's the, the minimum's not getting done because we don't have enough people. It's like, so where does that disconnect come from? Right. Where does it, well, I know where it comes from, but how do they deal with... Where does it break? Yeah, where it breaks at the bottom and then the top blames the bottom. Right. Chuck, you're in HR. Tell, <laughs> tell us about that in the small business. If you've had corporate experience with that, tell us about that. So I've had the opportunity over the years really set in that C-suite and as uh, from a business owner role and to be able to kind of have a group. I had, I think my largest company I was a part of, we had, we had about 60 employees. But okay. so we had basically the ones that were in the office, the managers in the office, and then we had a couple of managers that was actually in the plant, and then we had all the workers. And I will say, I mean, there's many, many times we tried to do our best in some cases to realize kind of what was going on, but the disconnect oftentimes took place between the C-suite and the manager is where okay. things start to break down. Okay. <clears throat> I think from in today's world, though, as I look at companies that I talk to, I was just thinking about one of my client issues a couple of years ago was where there was a major disconnect between the frontline employees and the, the C-suite. The reality in that situation was there was a major, there was a breakdown in communications and there was also the lack of training on behalf of the, the managers. Mm -hmm. So the manager served as a barrier to, to take the issues that the employees were bringing and getting that to the, to the C-suite. Okay, two-parter. How often does the typical scenario of like the best sales rep becomes the manager? but has no managerial skills. Two, does that always work out poorly? 
I see this every day, and it's one of the things that drives me crazy. Because the truth is, that's what happens. Yeah. That's our natural progression is we, we become a superstar in our role. <clears throat> so ultimately, we, our next step for promotion is we become the manager. And the reality is, most of the time, we don't have the people skills to really lead those teams effectively. Right. Or sometimes even the want. Well, true. If yeah, if you're in a, a well, all thoughts have escaped me. If you're in a role where you get commission, you be a middle management is. commission. I was actually <laughs> commission. If you're in a commission-based role, it doesn't make any sense. So it, you're you're a financial professional, right? And you're an agent. And you're making three hundred thousand dollars a year, being an agent selling. And they're like, oh yeah, why don't you be a, a manager? And make 120. Right. Yeah, get the shit out of here. And oh, by the way, you work double and everybody hates you. So, yeah. <laughs> And your expense account's uh, gone. Right. Yeah, right. No, it's it just from like my experience, I had to be a consultant. So I had to look at it from, I get a firsthand account and an honest account because I was third party from workers. And more often than not, it's like, you know, they're not being given the tools or like they don't have the attitude because it comes from the top. So I worked in a steel mill, right? And the guy who had been running this one particular process, a blast furnace, had been operating that blast furnace for like 40 years. So he should be the boss. He knows how it works. And it's like a very specialized piece of equipment. But he had to answer to some bean counter, some professional to jack in Pittsburgh <laughs> of like, yeah. hey, this is outside of customer guy. spec and like I'm sitting in an office in Pittsburgh. I've never even been to the mill, but you can't run you can't run the mill this way because this is how the customer wants it. But if I and then inevitably stuff messes up and then they mess they blame the guy. Right. They blame the worker. But he's yeah. like, Okay, I told you if I didn't do this right now that this bad thing was gonna happen and you were like, Nope, customer specs and then bad thing happens. Yeah. And, yeah, and to yeah. me, that's a lot of it too. Is the person dictating from on high has never even been right to the place, to the work site, to anything. And it's like, how do you know? How can I? It sounds great on paper, but there's a lot of things that go wonky when you get out into the field, or you know, you inject customers and people. <laughs> yeah, or just like yeah. Managers who don't take the time to go out into the, if you're, okay, well, I'm strictly talking manufacturing, but like if you've never done the job, if you don't know what it takes to do that job from nine to five or whatever, six to six, let's be real. But if you don't know what that takes, what that entails, what you're thinking, what you're smelling, doing, whatever, the whole, the whole of it, how can you make any calls on if someone messes up or not? And so this is the thing that we were talking about with Chuck, that the person who has done the best at the thing should then lead the team not necessarily but not necessarily but they have the experience and i could see the chicken or the egg whose fault and blah 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 i see that i'm, I'm like some football players are great football players but they're horrible <laughs> leaders and they don't want to lead they want to I, do their job some <laughs> people just want to go to work punch the time clock put their hours in go home be left alone yeah i was just talking with the guy the, uh, he's actually a business coach the other day and he was he was working with a professional sports team and they've got one of the guys on the team they've designated to be the captain and the reality is when you do an assessment on that individual he's not wired he doesn't want to be at the captain no he yeah. wants he wants to be able to do his job yeah you ever seen that navy seals chart how they pick a leader so how they pick so. navy seals it's really interesting so like they have on this 
on what it's a two-sided chart it's like a just a line chart and one it says trust and the other one says performance so if some if someone's a high performer of low trust they're horribly dangerous right you don't want to trust them on your team right 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 but if they're if they're low trust no one wants low trust low performance right that's the bottom it's obvious yeah right but they'll actually choose someone of low performance, medium performance, or even low performance if they're high in trust yeah. to be part of the team just because they know what it takes to build a team. In corporate, you don't think about that <laughs> at well, all. You just hire bodies. And especially nowadays, it's just apparently the, the, the pool of people to choose from, it's like very difficult to even get somebody to come work for you, especially yeah. in a manufacturing job. It's not a sexy job. I was gonna say you got to dangle a lot of pretty things in front of like benefits and blah blah blah. And I, there's a the old joke that is a true saying that if you can't, those who can't do teach, right? And it's because you could be a low performer, but you could completely like going sports, right? You could completely know the game of football. Right. I don't know if Bill Pelichick ever really played or if he was ever good. He's a better coach, hundred percent exactly. guarantee. Right? Yeah. There are some people that are just fitted for different roles, and none of them are bad none of them are labeled poorly i mean some of them get bad stereotypes but if you are not meant to be a leader that's not a bad thing if you are meant to be a leader but you kind of suck at the day-to-day stuff it's a tougher mountain to climb per se but it's not a bad thing well and i think that what you were talking about with the like the seal leader is because they have real world experience they've done it even though they might not be the best at it they have done it they know what it takes to get a job done and then they can take their experience and their leadership skills and have realistic goals now you always want to set the goal a little bit higher than probably what you can achieve sure but it's an achievable goal if you really get into it and you can maybe fall a little short of it and still exceed expectations when you have someone who has zero experience and only knows book or only knows there's certain part of the thing and they're dictating out to everybody else what they should be doing. That's where the failure, I think, is is the biggest. And one that stands out in my mind is there was a bunch of laborers and they were complaining they couldn't do something. They couldn't dig this hole because of something. Guy in a suit and a tie mm. and dress shoes said, give me the shovel and get the F out of the way. Got down there, dug the hole, squared it off, threw the shovel at the guy and said, I don't ever want to hear that again, and walked out. And wow. I was like... Dude, that's a mic drop yeah, right there. Yeah. <laughs> when you first said that, I was like, red flag, red flag, red flag. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, but but because he has the experience. And, and I get yeah. from the top all you probably hear, oh, we can't do this, but... And I've heard that, you know, just... It's like, oh, we can't, we can't, we can't. Well, that's probably the difference between people who are elected captain and appointed manager. Oh, good Good phrasing. point. Yep. That's, that wording is absolutely... I mean, it's really... In, I, you're spot on with what you said. Yeah, and that's that, within small businesses too. <clears throat> Does that take more of an effect with a smaller company or therefore smaller team or a bigger effect with a smaller team? I think it has a bigger effect on smaller team, yeah. for yeah. sure. I would think so too. Well, your yeah. attitude reflects it. If you, the more time you spend with people mm-hmm. and the more you're an integral cog and then you wear a bunch of hats, your interpersonal relationships matter way more. If you're right. just showing up to work and you're doing your whatever, you're one eleventh. That's an old football saying. Yeah. If you literally just shut up and do your job, and then you punch in, punch out. That's also great. Very needed. 
But like, if you're doing a job and you have to do multiple things, like in a small business, you're gonna need to ask some questions and you're gonna need some support and you're gonna have to be interchangeable in those things. And it's quite difficult. Yeah. I find it difficult. I work with my wife. So like, there's tons of stuff I don't know and I'm very much a does well under instruction. She super yeah. does not want to be my boss. Uh, right? Yeah. So she doesn't want to okay. teach me. She doesn't have the patience to teach. <laughs> so so she just, more often than not, just teaches herself how to do stuff and just does it on her own. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, and I think I see that in small business as well. If A lot of times, I mean, again, based on generations, the younger generation, they're looking for their employers to provide them with the tools and the training to be able to sharpen their skills. Right. Whether that's, and if they don't provide it, a lot of times the younger people will go out and get it on their own, whereas a lot of our generation typically will not. You know, it's weird too with this younger generation, but like on the job, like job onboarding and training has been the same since. 1940s. After the war, right? It's the same thing. Here's a book, read the book. Here's a video, watch the video. Got it? Sweet. Yeah. And it's just like. And then the next day, you've been here a day and you right. don't know what yeah, to do. Right. Yeah, it's, right. it's, I've been reading a lot about your subconscious mind, how it works. So you operate like more than 70% of your day in your subconscious. Oh yeah. And your subconscious formed like when you were little. So like, if you don't do, there's only a few ways you can change your subconscious mind. And one of them is the easiest way. It's like hypnosis, like listening to stuff while you're sleeping and sort of like a, your brain wavelength, complicated stuff or muscle memory. So like you have to repeat these behaviors. So when you're talking about these behaviors, driving values mm -hmm. and all these things, the behaviors have to be not only reinforced, but encouraged. And it's like training a dog. Well, that's Probably, the time. Right? It is. Yeah. So, yeah, over consistency is yeah. where that, that algorithm comes from. But I think that that's one of the things. There's a book that David Friedman wrote called The Culture by Design. And that's one of the things he talks about. Is And it literally walks you step by step on how to build your culture inside the company. But he talks about once you identify the values and then you identify the actions that support those values, then you have to have a curriculum or you have to have ongoing training every week to keep those values fresh in people's minds. That's a weird like chicken and egg scenario because you have to sit down and you have to do an assessment on what are the behaviors you would like to see in your perfect employee and then you choose your values out of those and then you look at the values and go okay what behaviors can we enforce? It's like this weird cyclic yeah, thing. Constantly, yeah, yeah. I, I mean if you can find some a leader in the company that inspires it's a much easier task because people will fall you off a bridge. I mean, if you inspire mm -hmm. and you can show that you know what you're talking about and it can be done, yeah, people will follow you to the end of the earth. People also want to be like, feel like they feel like they're valued, right? Like Correct. Their, their opinions matter. They want to be heard. They want right. to be seen. Sure. Yeah. And I feel like also a lot of people are motivated by, especially younger people are motivated by time or money. Like they don't give a shit about a pizza party. Right. They want more time off or they want more money. Exactly. Right. So or both. Like, or like sometimes, you know, I, I heard a, I heard a guy in that executive, executive forum talk about like, yeah, well, if we we did the guys did a whole lot better last year because we had a lot more overtime. And so morale's down right now. So it was like, OK, so if they do really well, the only reward they get it's more is money. more work. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's. Yeah. But I'm seeing a shift right now since the pandemic. I'm seeing a shift from that because that is the mindset that has been in place for decades. And I think that we are seeing a more of a shift toward that 
that balance and we're trying to realize that if I'm a manager of a team, that if I have 10 people on my team, I'm not managing one to the entire team under the same rules and guidelines. We're, we're managing one to one versus yeah. one to 10, so. Are you noticing a weird pendulum shift when it comes from, to like the working from home thing, like working remotely? about people valuing their time away from work more and it's just this weird like it's old it's biblical like that never-ending toil of like you got to work hard that's the only way to get ahead yeah, which you, is partly but also it has some form of truth to it like you do have to put that put whatever not necessarily the hours just quality work in yeah correct to get what you want I, mean, I, I, I go ahead i've said a lot of i mean in the past we've looked at trying to measure our whether an employee is is really good or not, based on their they were in their seat, eight hours a day, five days a week, not right. really paying attention to the quality of the work that gets done. Right. And so right. there's a lot of times you could spend eight hours, but it really, if you did quality work and you did it effectively, you could get it done in four hours. Yeah. Right. right. And, right. and and that was one of the things I heard. It, I it was some kind of meme or like little video, and I think I had mentioned in another podcast for. This guy's taken off on his bike. It was getting ready to do, you know, the start of a race. And it said, don't be mad at the results you didn't get for the work you didn't put in. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't have to be 100 hours a day. You could practice crappy for 100 hours a day and right. still come in last. Right. So right. practice smart. Yeah, see golf. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know, do it right. Learn. And, and like I said, it is repetition. It is hours. Don't, don't think you're going to shortchange the, I mean, unless you're just, Tiger Woods or something that's, you know, a freak of nature that has the skill already, but he put in a ton of work. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's but, also the weird thing, like, where people, the longer time you put in, you get, yeah, I've seen it a hundred times, like, people get, you get a 3% raise every year for 40 years, oh, and they give the you a watch, and then you go home, and then you die. Right. <laughs> that, no, you're right. I've yeah, seen it over we, and over. That's, yeah. called, yes. that's called the movie Ohio. Yeah, right. We had a family friend. This is this is no. We had a family friend who worked at General Motors for a really long time, and he put off his whole life, never took a day off, and they bought a retirement home, Boca Raton, and the day he came home, he went to bed and woke up the next morning and had like a spell, like fell down the stairs, didn't know what, didn't know where he was, what he was going on. They thought it was head trauma. He had early onset dementia. Jeez. He died five years later. Had no life. Literally. Literally. So you don't know, right? So these people are, you're trading time. I did it. Okay, this is my favorite part. I did a math problem. Yes. You like that? Go on. Everybody shut up. (laughs) And you can double check my math here because I've said it a hundred times, but again, I'm not sure. So there's 252 working days in the American working year. If you look at that, divided by hours it's 105 110 days worth of time right if you extrapolate out the hours you spend sleeping it's like 130 something okay okay working for yourself if you get to spend time at home or spend time with your family by the time i'm i'm 32 years old by the time i retire i will have gained something like 13 years with my wife wow real time like actual time that i spend away so that's how much time you spend at work like ton of your time with these people and not with your families doing what you want to do yeah i've been fortunate of working most of my adult i and it's funny as working for that company i what the factor was that made me quit and decide i got to do something else was i was sitting in a damn department eight o'clock super bowl sunday everyone's having a great time and there's nobody in the store. And I'm like, what in the hell am I doing? This is stupid. Yeah. 
I could be, and it was just like, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not, you know, the same reason I got out of construction, I got a family, I need to have steady income was the same decisions. Like I'm not going to spend the rest of my life. And I was looking at the, the managers, you know, store make great money, but guess what? They don't have a life They're, They live at the store. It's like, I don't, I don't want that either. So I've been super fortunate from when my kids were born till now where I've worked from home. Yeah, and that's I feel like is that happening? So like with managers now, like if you if you have a younger workforce and they value this, and it's all of them that value it, not some of them. It's like a. I think even the, even the the more seasoned generation start has seen that in the last two years that there is definitely value, and if they could go back and redo those last twenty years, they would do it differently than the way they did it. And I know that's that's true for me because I spent even though I didn't work for a. I worked in sales for a company selling the HR outsourcing services. And so with that, I was driven by money. So I was always on 24-7. It didn't matter if I was on family vacation or what I was doing. I was focused on that next sale. Yeah. And so I missed out on so much with my wife and with my kids over those years. And I think if I could go back and redo it, I would definitely select the option to balance out the, the experience and spend time with family. Yeah, but right. to be fair, time was a lot different for you and I. Oh, yeah. We didn't have those options. You know what your choice was? You go to work. That was it. You know, there was no remote work. There was no... No, there wasn't. You just, you go to work, you sit down at your desk or grab your hammer, and that's what you did. It right. just, you put in eight hours or longer and... Yeah, that was, un it's unfortunate. Yeah. But, like, that's the reality of it now is, like, these things are... and. Honestly, like how much, whatever, if you think about the environment or whatever you want to think about, like how much time and money and resources would you save not having an office? Yeah. So I understand it, 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 there's a benefit to having people in person. Like in there, person, there is. Like, yeah, huge yeah. benefit. That's why we do this in person. Like there are benefits. Right. But like, like, don't you think that would be beneficial periodically as well? That's why I think a lot of people on Trek yeah. it wrong. The two to three days a week is kind of the flex model that most. Yeah, the, the, that yeah. model is so much better because yeah. even for myself, we would meet, my partner and I would meet in the morning, have a cup of coffee at Starbucks and plan out our day, whatever, or just sit and talk for an hour and a half. And then we'd go, go back to our houses or a block away from each other <laughs> and we'd work and then we'd call, you know, but it's just not the same. And that's one of the things being him on the West Coast and me on the East Coast. We talk every morning, like every morning around 9, 10 o'clock, I'll get a phone call. And we, you know, talk and see what's going on. And it's just not the same as sure. actually sitting down and having a cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, so there's, there's the other side of this, too, that doesn't really, it's not necessarily remote work. It's something we were talking about earlier of, call it time management. If you're, if you're growing your business, if you're scaling your business, if you are a big corporation, if you're a manager, whatever it is. You can only work so much harder. You can only work so many more nights. You can only work so many more weekends, right? You hit a wall, and that wall probably seems far away because I do this to myself all the time. Chuck, I think you're going through it. I'm doing it right now. Yes. Say, you're going through it right now. I can always sleep less, right? Well, at some point, you can't. And at some point, life gets in the way, as it should. And there is that wall. I was talking with a company, I was a good friend of mine, recycling company, and literally dealing with trash. They're, they are, they, I call them trash land and, <laughs> and they have a great business and they've grown a lot. They're however many million in revenue. I don't know, but at the end of the day, they could either hire somebody on to deal with some of the day-to-day -day problems or work an extra three hours a day. 
and so you hire the person. And then it's, okay, by hiring the person, I've now freed up three hours by the five managers, employee, owners, whatever. And so that's 15 hours that we've just freed up in the week. And all of these things start to compound. And so working harder the way we've always done it, the things that we've said, it hits a wall and it happens faster than most people think. Yeah, I think that, I mean, again, I think the pandemic really exposed that, a lot of that because yeah. as we, when that happened, most companies weren't ready for it. And when we went to shelter in place, most people weren't ready for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have, as the companies, we didn't have policies or procedures in place for that. And, but what we found as we adapted to that was we could actually work throughout a 24 hour period. We could actually work when we needed to. We could take breaks when we needed to. Breaks. And there was a balance breaks. in there. <laughs> yeah. What's that like? <laughs> That's really the thing. Like, you're not sitting there. Although, like, and then some some people try to do the hybrid thing. It was really terrible. My work, my wife worked for a, a financial firm, and they had meetings from eight to six on Mondays and Fridays. Oh. Bookend the weeks. No. From literally back to back Zoom meetings, Zoom meetings, and Zoom and meetings that could have been emails, right? Like every, no matter what, we're meeting here, here, here. It's just draining, and that that thumb of control, command and control. Oh, come, yep. come on. Yeah, a Monday and a Friday too. I actually purposely block off my calendars on Mondays and Fridays. Like, <sighs> if you really need to meet, I'll meet, and I have some regular meetings, and they like they checked all the right boxes and stuff. But if you're some, do you have money? Random person. Check. <laughs> <laughs> Are you paying me up front? Okay. It's, it's Monday morning. Let's talk. Monday morning, 8 o'clock. Let's right. do this. <laughs> I, actually, I try not to take meetings before 10 a.m. on any weekday. I'd same, yeah, same for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, I literally get up. This is going to piss a lot of people off. <laughs> I get up, and we don't work before, like, 11 unless we want to. Yeah. So we get up, and we spend quality time together. Like, we make breakfast, and we take the dog outside together. And we have coffee, and then we talk about, like, anything but. Right. We'll watch TV for a little bit, whatever. Read, meditate, do whatever you gotta do. And then you start talking it at noon. And you kill it in the evening. Like, we we're, we find we're more productive in the evening. But if you're a more, like, evening productive person, and you work a 9 to 5, tough. Yeah, that's just not like nice. It's just not nice. square peg, round hole all the time. And that's why I use that example with my clients. Because I'm an early morning person. Yeah. But I, when I go to bed, it's like I'm lights out at that point until yeah. 5.30. <clears throat> My wife, she stays up till midnight, 1 o'clock. But she absolutely, she would rather stay and sleep till 7.30 or 8 right. o'clock. So when we look at our employees, they're the same way. Yeah. Some are going to be much yeah. more effective early in the morning. Some are going to be more effective at night. So give them that, again, use those use those resources as effectively as possible. Yeah. I, some of my best work is from the hours of 8 p.m. to midnight. Okay. And it's not because I'm not getting emails at that time, which I'm not. It's not because if I'm with somebody, they're asleep. It's none of that. It's just that happens to be the most productive time for me. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably watching the Yankee game if it's on or like whatever live sports are on or some. I am wildly productive and I'll still send emails. I don't expect a response from anybody until the next morning. And that's totally fine. They know I don't expect a response. It just works that way. And some, I think that flexibility matters a lot. I think that the other thing we're seeing a big change in is the way we use that office space. So right now, I mean, it used to be we had cubes where everybody would come in yeah. and sit down. And now we're using that more from a really a place of collaboration and allowing people to come meet for a short period of time and then go back. Kind of like you were talking about, Brandon, with your, your partner. Yeah, it just, yeah. just doesn't need to be an all-day thing. No. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't even be business. It doesn't be business. It's just 
Yeah. You know, connect and get on and do your thing. Exactly. It's as simple as that. I think I think we'll wrap up on that point too. But there's a lot of flexibility in the workplace today. I think is maybe the the common thing that we've talked about and a change for the, the good. A change for the good and everything from we started with from the leadership passing down the telephone game to the people doing the doing the work. <laughs> flexibility applies there too, I think. Yes. The great thing is with the younger generation coming in, more the Gen Zs and millennials coming in, you're going to see that that trend continue on. Oh yeah. Much more. It's going to get way better as they get into leadership positions right. in about five years. Yeah. yeah. These you kids know, are what, 25? 20, I mean, you got the millennials. The oldest millennial right now is about 41. No, I'm what, talking about the, the, the Gen Z. What's yeah. the youngest yeah, millennial? Yeah, Gen Z should be the youngest. Yeah, with, well, I guess overlapping with Gen Z at that point. but I mean, they're probably going to be early 20s right now. That's going to be. So you give them five more years? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they'll be in some leadership roles. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the cautionary tale is you can have all that fantasy land. But you still have foot in the work. Yeah, right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's the one. The one issue I I have is everyone's all this fantasy, and it's like, you know, the work still has to get done. Yeah. Well, a lot, a lot of people also like sell those that generation short of like they don't want to work. Oh, these kids don't want to do anything. Like those YouTubers say what you want about those YouTubers, but they spend like eleven hours a day making content. Yeah. It might not look like work, but it is those ones that are monetized. Yeah. Oh my God! Try to make content. Yeah. Try to make some stuff on your. Try to go viral. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's say you're doing a podcast, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes takes a couple hours to do it, and then you got to edit it, and then you got to post it. Yeah. Not yeah. that I know from experience, right. but. <laughs> yeah, right. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. Turns out. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to Boardwalk Billy. Boardwalk Billies. I can yeah, okay. do these intros and extros today. Thank you to Boardwalk Billies for hosting us again in the university area. They have been great. Chuck and Matt, real quick. Matt, where can people find you? Oh, chimehousemedia.com or queencitybnb.com. And Chuck? Whitewater, sorry, whitewaterconsulting.net or chuckcooper.info. Excellent. Thank you so much, everyone. If I had a perfect day, I would have it start this way. Open up the fridge and have a tall boy. Yeah. Then I'd meet up with.